the only reason for doing this, you know, Revelation, the title of the series has been Kingdom Dominion versus Future Dominion, because the entire church world has looked at the book of Revelation as a far future um, prophecy and book. And as a result, they have failed to see and acknowledge and understand that they were commissioned in the Great Commission to be about the Father's will. And when they migrated to these North American shores, uh, they had an intention to shock off the organized Roman Church, the organized Church of England Church, the organized religion, basically, for true worship and true fellowship with like believers. And they had their own areas, they had their own locations and so forth, and the more I consider it, you know, there's been talk about secession uh, in various states. And honestly, as Christian believers, um, we really do have to recognize there is a need to separate ourselves from those that don't believe as we believe, that don't love in the same way that we are to love one another. And um, so Russell sent me a text about those you know, murders down there in the school uh, in in Texas. And the cops, you know, standing by while an hour and a half or whatever ensues while the massacre, you know, continues. Um, uh-huh. And and I just, you know, he said, when will the Saxons begin to hate? You know, the old Rudyard Kipling poem, when the Saxons begin to hate. And, you know, the, my answer was perhaps it's no longer in their DNA. And when you look around you and start seeing how people live, act, respond, and so forth with one another, it's it's hard to know whether we could find five or ten families that could actually live amongst each other. Um, well, I want to make this comment. If, if you had a hospital big enough... Now, how many babies die a year? I think Texas was telling me, uh, is it somewhere in 500,000? I don't know. Let's say, let's just for the sake of me talking, 10,000 babies are in this hospital. And they all, 10,000 of them, get aborted. Let's say they have a big room. They get aborted. And the doctors come out, and they're heroes to a certain bunch of people in this country. And then 23, 29 little children are in Uvalde, Texas. They get murdered, and we got to do something. This is the worst. This is the worst thing in history. And the only thing that separates those lives is time. That's all that separates the lives is, but again, 
50,000 aborted fetuses, uh, babies, I'm sorry, I hate to get into that trap. And we got, what was it, 29 kids killed by a gunman. Both are horrible, but one is cheered for. One, they actually cheer for the death of the babies. And we are supposed to eat that plate, aren't we? We're supposed to just accept that and go on because the the law says it. And you must follow the the law, little kitties. It's the law, you know. Yeah. But when it's yeah, not, was, it doesn't work for them, they don't follow it so well, do they? Ask them in Portland. Uh, exactly right. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Um, and and this is where, uh, you know, we have such a long ways to go um, in terms of really understanding I, I guess where we've fallen, or or are we even yet reaching for the first rung? Um, uh huh. And you know, to say things of this nature or to point them out, it, you know, I guess again, it 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 becomes something that uh, is viewed as you know just being you know negative or something, but. <clears throat> Again, they're not being said as if I, I'm better than others or anything else. I, I'm trying to point out something that I would hope that others could be in agreement with, and that is is that we have a long, long way to go. And when you think about the way the workers of iniquity go about doing the work of iniquity, they don't stop. They don't rest. And their intention is to not... Um, have the rule of God, number one, over them, and certainly they also even are opposed to the rule of others over them who are not of their like persuasion. And Mm -hmm. so here we sit in this situation to be about the Father's will. We've gone so far from it, um, it, 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 it is a long way back, and if you're you know, viewing it as as a rung on a ladder, uh, we've got a long way to go just to be able to grab the bottom rung again. And if that sounds like you know whatever, then then fine, so be it. I guess you can call me that, and and that's just the way that that's going to have to be. Um, but uh, we uh, we're in no way turning a corner with a couple of of you know black robe justices deciding what is moral and immoral you know can can i say something about that Sure. sure okay um as a woman i i believe that there are more women that are pro-life them for abortion and these black robe bells uh, the supreme court justice in my heart i don't believe that they did this for any moral reason i believe that they did this to cause another summer of chaos there's an organization 
organization my daughter made me aware of, because my, my girls are right to life, uh, called Jane's Revenge. And there's other organi- organizations that have already had it ready and planned to start um, attacking people. My, my middle daughter, where she works, they have a Life to Right Center there. And um, they're on they're on caution, and I and I do I don't think that those Supreme Court justices did it for for moral reasons. I think they did it because they know that it's going to cause chaos on the streets, and when more women really really do are for right to life than than not, and and. I I have been right to life since I was 17, and um, and I just think that um, we need to uh, teach children because they're teaching them in school that it's a clump of cells, and that is what we need to do: is teach people the truth and and pray. And I, I just wanted to, to throw that in because I'm the, the only woman on here, so I felt like I needed to <laughs> put my voice on there and let people know that, um, you know, how, how my feelings and the people that I've talked to and the people I interact with and even on social media looking at people's com- comments. So that's it. Yeah. No, I I don't disagree with that at all. I mean, uh, I was going to bring up something that I had, uh, you know, sat sat down and went over Gab a little bit last evening and and some of the comments and stuff. Um, I was going to see if I could recall one here, but as I've been scrolling through it, as you've been talking, I haven't come upon it. But somebody had made, you know, a comment that I thought I'd I'd like to maybe bring out uh, and, and point out, but... I'm not finding it, so, um, but absolutely, I, yeah, I don't think they did this for any, any moral reason either. Um, uh, it's again, to me, it's another illusion that, oh, we're getting things right, you know, we realize some errors that we made, um, you know, or that the court made with regards to what is a state's right issue and what is a federal issue kind of a thing, and I'm so done with the Constitution and and the whole parameter that that has has sold us down the river away from God that it's hard for you know 75% of the people out there to even get a grip on that. If you start talking to them about it, they the natural retort is is well, it's the best place in the world. You know, what other country would you rather be in? And well, I just happened to be in this one, and that's about all I can say. I, you know, this is where I was born, and uh, uh, I didn't, uh, you know, go out of my ways in the last 40 years to find another nation to live in or anything else. Um, uh, that doesn't mean that I have to like it. That's another thing about the people in the 1700s, the late 1700s, at least at the time of the adoption of the Constitution, there were many of them that recognized and realized that this constitution would be the country's downfall. It would be the 13 uh, colonists' uh, destruction. And well, it's, not only... Yeah, go ahead. That's a pathetic statement, and I've heard it so many times. If you don't like it, believe it. 
Leave it. Rich. You, uh, it's like you... Go ahead. You know, um, I can understand how your comments on this, but I got to have a feeling that it's, they uh, put their families at grave risks to, to, to make this decision. And uh, I know they're under high security right now, and they had a guy that they caught at Kavanaugh's house with a gun. So... Whether there's other things involved, they, um, they're putting their lives and their families' lives on the line. I'm taking it as a win. And I was reading Second well, Kings, you know, uh, about, about 21, 22 Second Kings. And uh, that's when they finally got a good king. And the king... Uh, Josiah decided he was going to tear down all the groves and all the uh, the Moloch's. And he uh, decided it would be a good idea to burn the Sodomites' houses down, too. So, I mean, the pendulum, it's about time it swung the other way. We've been getting hammered now for 50 years. So in the, in the decision glorified God as far as I can see. Any comments? What exactly was the decision? Well, the uh, there's no blanket right in the entire country to have an abortion. It's got to go back to the states, and the states have to decide one at a time but there's a lot of ramifications so, with this thing too, uh, with the, uh, so the those, morning after. Those, those guys are indifferent about abortion. It's left up to the states. Is that correct? Well, it's no longer a constitutional right. That Roe v. Wade made it a constitutional right that they could have them. So it it didn't. Uh, change a lot at the state level, but it took a, took away the uh, protection of the Constitution because it was never in there to start with. Well, see, oh. I, I think, I guess you asked for comments, and I think the comment is in the second part of your response there. And nobody should misinterpret what I'm saying. And I understand what you're saying too, Rich, about it being a win. But your second part of your statement was, it isn't changing much in the states. And uh, there are some states that that will adopt and say that we're going to legislate that that's murder. And, And that will be another good thing, no doubt about it. Um, The point I was making probably before you came on was about secession, because I think that this is where it ultimately leads. It's just like in Lincoln's war. Um, you know, Lincoln thought that he had to keep this union together. However, the South would have been perfectly happy to have separated and seceded from the unit and have 
principled themselves on the things that they desired to principle themselves on. The question becomes, what are we actually principling ourselves upon? So we are going to find ourselves also living in states where at times we'll have these kinds of legislative uh, enactments that will go the direction of more and more destruction and more and more um, ungodliness. And you will have other states that potentially will go more and more toward godliness. And then that's where I say we're at this point where seriously we have to look at the secession because as God actually, his whole biblical record conveys, is that he desired that his people separated them from those other peoples who he told you, told them not to do like they do. That's the whole biblical record. And so <clears throat> to hold a union together as, you know, 50 United States or whatever on immoral grounds and immoral foundations and on foundations that are crumbling around that is a tenuous position for the people of the nation to find themselves in. So separation is clearly one thing that has to be an outcrop of it. And then the more that those, those states become more Christianized and do things more in the righteousness of God's will, I think you're going to obviously have to see what the biblical record conveys and that they will once again come and say, let us go up to the mountain of Jacob Israel and learn his ways. Uh, so my point in saying is that we have a long way to go is not to be negative and detractor, but to try to point out that this is something that our side, if you will, has done for so many decades is one little win and or a perceived win and it's as if there's there's nothing more that needs to be done until they find out that another three or four decades has passed and they've they've watched the ungodly and the unrighteous totally take control and that's why as i said this whole idea of the revelation because I began to look at it and say, you know, we're supposed to be taking the dominion. We are, this, he gave the great commission, Matthew 28, he'd already risen from the dead and gave the great commission and said, go into all the world and teach what I've taught you and I'm going to be with you to the end of the ages. And we have watched people in the ecclesiastical leadership completely turn everything in this Bible upside down, inside out, and 180 degrees out of phase of what's actually here, the more we can do to enlighten and illuminate people's minds to the truth in it and that it's not the way that they've been taught to believe I, there are people right now, I received another email the other day that is being shattered by this idea that revelation may already be fulfilled. Just totally shattering because 
he's built up in his mind the idea that this is going to be the way God deals with it in the very end. And yet he commissioned us to actually take the dominion in the kingdom, just as he did from the very outset in the book that we call the Bible, the Holy Scriptures, from what? The 10th chapter of, of Genesis. And they've turned it into that the Christian itself has become no earthly good because he's waiting to be raptured away. And they don't recognize and understand that that rapturing away, Paul talked about and said, he's going to come. And when he comes, the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we which are alive, we which are alive. He's talking to his people in Ephesus at that time. Then we which are alive will go to join him. And we've got the whole church world looking at Revelation. And don't get me wrong, I'm not a master of Revelation. I'm not a biblically scholar, biblical scholar or master, but I... I've got to tell you that as I have continued my studies in the last 30 years, and especially in the last 10 years, since I was told I was not fit to clean a toilet, at the last assembly or ecclesia of believers, I've become more committed to searching out these scriptures more and understanding them more so that I won't be deceived. And yes, it can be perceived as a win. And yes, these people who made those decisions, but I agree with Melissa. It's not a decision that's really made on moral grounds. It's a decision by their own words that never should have been made pursuant to the, quote, Constitution. And I could give a rat's rear end about this Constitution because it's totally antithetical to the Word of God and totally antithetical to the will of God. It's like I've said to you before too, Rich, and others. Is God for free speech? Is God for freedom of religion? There's your two foundational underpinnings right there, those first two uh, amendments. God never said anything about you have the right to free speech. In fact, he said that if you spoke and did something that was slanderous, whatever that result of that was supposed to be, if you were found out, that was your punishment. And if you did so in order to keep somebody from elected office, you don't ever get to hold elected office again. Now that's the kind of free speech that I'm for. And it's time that we tear down these idols that we have. And I wholeheartedly agree with Melissa. There's nothing that this was done on moral grounds. It was done purely on the grounds, according to their own words, as I just said, that it really is not a constitutional provision or anything of that nature 
that gave them any authority to make such a ruling. They did it in fiat. And Rich, I agree with you about Hezekiah. I thought on that today quite a bit, how different kings did righteous with God and yet still did not tear down the groves. And so we're imperfect. There's no doubt about it. But he commanded us to be perfect as he is perfect. And we've got a, a, as I said, just the ecclesia, meaning the called of Christ, having a forward vision. It's like I've said about Christianity for the last 30 years of my Christian walk. Where is Christianity just like talk radio that was actually moving forward in terms of advancing the Christian way of life in accordance with the will of the Father? It was largely silenced, and it was largely silenced because the church world said, this is not our home, you're just passing through, And in fact, yeah. Satan's, Satan's in charge of the world. Yep. That's right. And so for 30 years, at least in my Christian walk, the Christian didn't do anything. Because there was nothing for him to do. And fortunately, what? I think that there are a number of ecclesiastical leaders who have finally recognized, they do recognize biblical Israel still exists, in spite of the church world's insistence that they don't, who are acknowledging and recognizing that nearly, we could probably say, the entire Bible has been prophetically um, uh, fulfilled. That does not mean that you won't have second fulfillment. Babylon, for example, fell, and so did Sodom and Gomorrah fall. They were as two Babylons, and then, not only that, there was the destruction of Babylon in, a, what, 167 AD or whatever, and then there was more destruction of Babylon in 70 AD, 66 to 70 AD. And so it's not to say that we can't have um, these prophetic prophecies in the scriptures being played out over and over again in history. Just the names, changes, and dates, uh, names, faces, and, and, and dates are the only thing that, that really changes. And so we're all on the same team, and I don't mean to be castigating or anything else um, uh, I, I'm just pointing out from my standpoint I believe in what Melissa is saying I understand what you're saying about you know getting a righteous ruler to take us part of the way or you know well, any of those I things don't, I don't understand it because I don't see any righteousness whatsoever in any form of leadership in America Tell me the righteous person that you guys know about. Name one. 
Well, this is where somebody will come out and say, well, Russell, you're righteous, go run for office. Okay. And this is where I will say, you can't get elected dog catcher unless you're a millionaire. Because that's the way the system works. Do you hear what I'm saying? Let's say I, I run I for hear office. What, I hear what Let's you're say saying, I and I don't disagree you, with it. Do you think these pathetic thugs that run the machine can't come out with a story about me and a little girl overnight? doesn't matter if it happened. It's printed. And there goes Russell's shot at the title. Yep. Did you know he did this or that? Or, or he's got links to this or that? There, there it is. Bye-bye. I mean, haven't we seen this played over and over? What about the judge down there in Georgia? All of a sudden, he he married a girl that was too young, somebody decided, and he was done overnight. Remember that? Yep. What was his name? Roy Moore. I don't think oh. he married her. I think he just went out and went on a date with her. Yeah, it was it was a cooked-up story by the... The bad guys. So, so here well, we are. I watched the uh, the woman that's running for Arizona governor. What's her name? Yeah. Carrie Lake or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she she well, seemed pretty straightforward and pretty, you know uh, as far as politicians go, she was uh, pretty good. Well, let's. And, and right, right while she was there, they were trying to link her to um, to um, drag queens. Yeah, let's let's just look back at our wonder boy Donald Trump. They stole the election from him. Okay, so there's yep. a guy that was running to make a difference, and look what happened. He had the money. He had the vote. He had it all. And it wasn't put into office. So, so, you know, I am not very optimistic about the up-and-coming elections. Why should I be? Uh, you think the mules have left town? The 2,000 mules are... Not going to play the game this time? I think they're still in the stables just waiting. Has anybody researched the Georgia vote? It just happened a month ago. You know, was it legit? We should have some data to prove it was legit, shouldn't we? Rasberger was legitimately elected and and Governor Ding Dong was a legitimate. We know that. Do we know that, or do we just accept this stuff as fact? Do we just eat the plate of gobbledygook they're serving us? I'm just asking a question. These are the same people that did the whole gay thing in there in that Supreme Court. Kavanaugh. All none of them have a problem with a man marrying a donkey or a horse. They don't care. Well, Clarence they Thomas. That's 
this black man should have a statue made for him. He's the only one with any any reasonable logic that I can see. Where am I wrong here? Have any of these guys' mind left out at y'all as geniuses? They're just stating the obvious. Clarence Thomas, he's just stating the obvious when he gives an opinion. It's like he's saying, well, white is white, black and black. Now all of a sudden he's a genius. Because these other idiots don't know what a woman or a man is. How stupid can you be? And nobody challenged this lady. Nobody. Not even Teddy Cruz. And and will she be impeached? They should have told her to leave the room if she couldn't determine what a man or woman was without a biologist telling her. Yeah, I'm with you, Russell. I absolutely am with you. You know, if we don't have people willing to stand up and say, this is not a Supreme Court nominee, excuse me. (laughs) Absolutely. uh, I think Senator Kennedy gave her a rash of crap. There were a couple conservatives that did. Well, that sure didn't get talked about very much. Sure didn't. Anyway, the rant and the raven. Uh, our only hope, our only hope is Jesus Christ. Amen. That's our only hope. How do you bring that about? I do not know. I guess I guess it's in this book that we study not uh, week after week. Um, but, you know, it's been tinkered with some, too. So I will All right, I'm not going to do a... Earth. Okay. I'm not going to do a follow-up on what we covered in Part 5. Uh, that'll take just a few minutes to kind of recap, so I'm just going to leave the recap, I think. But this is part six in the series titled Kingdom Dominion or Future Dominion, and it's subtitled A Bird's Eye View of Revelation, trying to just pull ourselves back and look at Revelation in light of the entire scriptural record, not to bog ourselves down in visions and allegories and metaphors and so forth, but to just pull back, try to pull the nuts and the bolts of what's actually happening chapter by chapter. And so we're basically moving along in it at this point here. And we are at uh, Revelation chapter 10 at this time. And let me, uh, I had flipped over to Kings there. And I'm going to go ahead and flip back to Revelation right now and get to chapter 10. Here at Revelation 10, what we've got is the angel and the, the, the thunders, the seven thunders. And what's interesting here in this chapter 10 is 
Uh, I'm not going to read it for sake of time now. I'll just kind of let the reading happen by everybody on their own. But when these seven thunders uttered their voices, you can tell, according to the scripture here and, and what's recorded, that John had pen in hand and was writing. And that's very similar to what Daniel was doing at the time of his visions. And he was instructed by the uh, angel there to seal up those utterings and not to write them. Now, we've discovered in part five the sealing and unsealing where Daniel's vision was sealed because the time wasn't at hand, and yet John's vision was not sealed. But in this particular case here in Revelation 10, we do find that he was to seal up the utterings and write them now. Speculation alert. My speculation is the reason that that utterance was not to be written is because I believe it would have been obvious to those who did not believe and therefore they may have converted and Christ would have had to have healed them. Remember, he spoke in parables and said, I speak in parables so that some hearing may not perceive and understand, lest they should be converted and I should have to heal them. He did not want those that should be destroyed not to be destroyed. And this is a part of our God and our Redeemer that a vast majority of Christians today can't, can't quite wrestle with because they've been told that he's all loving and he's, you know, he's done all that he's done so that everybody can be saved and receive salvation. And so, therefore, that's the idea in their mind. Again, that's just my speculation is that the reason he was told not to write them is I think whatever those utterings might have been, they might have been telltale signs in other words, a pronouncement that says, you know, judgment has come upon the house of Judah. You know, that might have been some words and some utterances that would not have been good to record because then there may have been some of those that would have heard those words and immediately fell on their faces and repented and Christ would have had to grant them that healing. So, end of the speculation. But there are two important points and elements that come out of that statement, and one is that when of the written record, remember we were going over some of the discussions that some say that Revelation wasn't written until 90 A.D., that obviously fits very conveniently with those that want it to be a future prophecy. But a couple of the gentlemen have done some of the greatest works on the timelines and have even corrected some of Josephus' uh, timelines in his works. Um, basically have come to, not basically, but have come to the the clear distinction and truth that that it was not, definitely not written in 90 AD, and the earlier date most adequately fits the record. 
So those we've already discussed in the past fellowships on this. But again, as I say, the two points that I, or the two elements that we find in that is that the win of the record. Again, the win, if the instruction to seal these utterings conveys they were not to be known when they were spoken, was it something that was to be spoken in the future or was it for the future then uh, in an immediate or short-term future? That's the only thing that we can conclude is either they, they just were not intended to be, to be written or they would have been sealed for the moment only for a short period of time until these things were shortly to come to pass. Um, and that's one of the conclusions that I think you have to come to about one of the elements there because he was in the moment writing and it makes no sense for him to be in the moment and writing something that's going to be 90 AD and everything that's going to happen in the destruction in Jerusalem is going to occur in 70 AD. It, it just, it makes no sense at all. And, um, the angel that swore by him that lives forever and ever said that in the days when the seventh angel begins to sound, right there at verse 5, that in the days when the seventh angel begins to sound, the mystery of God should be finished. The mystery. And as he glared to his servants, the prophets, is what the scripture says. This is a key again to Old Testament prophecies being vital to an understanding not only of the mystery of God, but that this mystery is about to be finished. So John is then told to take the book from the angel and eat it. It was sweet, but it made his stomach bitter. And then the angel, verse 11, let's read that in 10, verse 11, <clears throat> He said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. How on earth was John to prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings when he himself in 90 AD would have been roughly 89 or 90 years old? It's my understanding that he... he, uh, he uh, was deceased by somewhere nearest I can get from the information is around 100 A.D. to 104 A.D. And so um, it just doesn't make sense. In fact, one of the just occurred to me just now, um, I believe one of the writings, maybe it was in Josephus, they said that when he was taken from Patmos to Ephesus, he was um, basically helped. You know, that's how old and feeble he was when he left Patmos. So my belief is is that he did a lot of that um, uh, prophesying to the people in those shipping lanes and so forth that were coming in and around Ephesus and through Patmos and so forth because even though it was an island where he was exiled to, it was still a highly um, 
what I want to say, highly usable traffic center for the ships and the merchants and so forth. But again, there's just no way that this revelation can be far future. So we've got to be looking at this as the kingdom dominion, which is the dominion of Christ, his reign, his redemption of his people as commencing and it's underway and if you think about it john might have had the best seat in the house so to speak to be a witness from patmos and i question whether or not that banishment to patmos was of god especially in light of the reading that we read in in john in a i think part three or four of the series where jesus clearly expressed to peter what is it to you if I will that this man still lives? And that man who was following was John. And John seems to be the only one who survived of the 11 disciples, uh, the uh, 11 other disciples, um, you know, after 70 AD, certainly. And it apparently was Christ's will that John would be a witness to the destruction uh, would prophesy again, according to the scripture here. And I suppose some could conjecture, well, gee, John would have certainly prophesied through this book of Revelation. Well, that would be great if the church world hadn't turned it into a far future prophecy. But once again, if the book was written in 66 AD, around and near the time of the siege on Jerusalem by the Roman army, then that would basically mean 20 years later, you know, would have been 96, excuse me, 86. And what would any of these words in this book of the prophecy have done anybody any good in 86 AD? (laughs) It was clearly written, and it was a vision of the things which, according to the scripture, must shortly come to pass. And uh, if you turn, uh, jot the scripture down, Ezekiel chapter 3, I think it's in the first half a dozen verses there is where um, Ezekiel is is told to, to eat the scroll and and it was likewise bitter. So these are languages that, that have been used before in prophecy. And to go there is to help you to remember that you know, another prophet has, has had a similar encounter that he was instructed and so forth. And so it, it, it's just another one of these examples of things that we see in the biblical record that we may have long forgotten about because we're not tying the two together. Um, but I, I, I want to point something out about 10, verse 5. The angel which I saw standing upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven. And um, that land represents Judah, and the sea, the multitudes of Israel. And we see that time and again when we were doing our seedline doctrine discussions and fellowships we went into revelations 12 13 
16 and 18, I believe. And uh, another example of, you know, being told right there in Revelation that the sea was the multitudes of the peoples. So we have to use the biblical record to explain itself and, and not throw our own interpretations into it. But at 10.7, it says we, uh, let's just read that again. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he has declared to his servants the prophets. So the mystery of God should be finished. Hello. I'm still alive. I guess we lost uh, Doug. Yeah, hold on. All right, that's going to have to it's going to have to go off. Are y'all there? Yeah. 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 All right. Um I have to go off of that. That's not working. All right, we've got a little some storms here and stuff. I got a little problem here, but um I'll just leave that off and we'll go through it. So but the question about this particular passage here in 10:7 has to be what is the mystery that's about to be finished? Turn with me to Romans chapter 10. And we don't have much time to really gear into this because we spent a little time having some discussions about events of the day. But maybe I can at least get through a good portion of this. Uh, Romans chapter 10. And let's do verses uh, 18. Uh, Let's start with 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the ends of the world. But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses said, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are not people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. But Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel he said, all day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. Now drop down to um, chapter 11 of Romans, verses 25 to 27. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness is in part happened to Israel, 
until the fullness of the nations become in. That's translated Gentiles in the King James. It should not be. It should be the nations become in. And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. And now, flip over to 16, and go to 25. Now, to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest and by the scripture of the prophets, by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. Now, we have the Christian church world who has taken revelation and, and even Christ's words in the Gospels, and they're trying to go out into the, all the world and preach the Gospel unto all the world. When Paul is already saying that it's already been made known to all the nations. And what nations is that, that it's been made known to? It's been made known to the nations of Jacob, Israel, just as the Scripture says. But they're so intent on keeping people ignorant of the fact that God is still dealing with Jacob, Israel. And what is the purpose for that? The only purpose has to possibly be deception. Amen. Deception to profit. Turn now to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, verse 7, because remember, we are looking at the mystery spoken in Revelation 10, 7. And we ask the question, well, what is this mystery, and what is this mystery of God that should be finished? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 7 to 12. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knows no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us, of God. Turn over to Ephesians. 
Ephesians what? Ephesians chapter 1. Are you there? I got stuck in my... Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now drop down to verse, verse 9. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up as far as the heaven. That he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth no more be children tossed to and fro, carried about every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. You know, this, this mystery of what he intended for the people that he commissioned to go into all the world and be the blessing to the world by showing the righteousness of his laws, statutes, and judgments, and to abide in them. And that's why it's very frustrating for all of us as we watch this nation that we thought we all grew up in was a righteous nation as we were taught from our quote-unquote beginnings, and yet we see how unrighteous it was in that it turned away from God. And that that unity, and I'm not making disparaging remarks, you know, about any particular group, people, or anything else. It's the nature of what we've seen in the biblical record. And so we know of a certainty from these scriptures what the mystery is, the mystery is that he was God and is God. And we also know who's involved with the mystery. The mystery that is involved here is that he was a God to a people that he commissioned to be and to do and to carry out his will in the creation. And that that blessing would so abundantly flow to all the rest of the nations of the earth. Not that we were somehow better, different, or anything else. Just that it was what he did. He's the creator. He's entitled to do what he wants to do. If he wants to mold the clay and he wants to have a group of people that he saw righteousness in through Abraham, and he wanted to bless him, it's his prerogative. And that's what he did. There's no changing that. And there's no turning from it. And there's no reason to deny it. So the mystery known, there's no more time of delay. Israel had been cast off and divorced. Judah was still 
married to the God of Jacob Israel, one house of the two house tribe, the house of Israel and the house of Judah, and judgment is about to come upon Judah by the words of the prophets. And that judgment is pronounced in the revelation to John. And it is relaying the particulars in graphic detail. And the question becomes, why delay? Repent and believe the Redeemer of Jacob Israel has come and has gave his life to annul the covenantal agreement in his own death and sealed the new covenantal testament again with his people Israel, just as Hebrews 8.8 8 said he would and did. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 8. For the first covenant had been seven, eight, seven. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. For finding fault with them, he said, Behold, the days come, says Yahweh, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, says Yahweh. The mystery is about to be complete. The new covenant has begun. The only part that yet is to be completed is the destruction of the wicked, evil doers. And all of the Old Testament ritualistic symbolism as well, which included the temple at Jerusalem. All of Christendom has speculated and speculated and speculated and tried to force modern day things into revelation. And I'm not saying that that isn't a possibility that we would have prophecies that have been made being applicable to us in our day. However, that is not the case with Revelation being a future-only prophecy or a future-only written record. So now we've covered 7, 8, and 9 just from a bird's eye view. You'll think, well, gee, we don't talk about them much. You can read them and see exactly what's going on. We didn't have a lot of time to spend on reading them, and now I've only got about 10 minutes left here. Maybe uh, um, I think uh, ah, it might not do well to to uh, go into Chapter 11 here because there is a, a, a fair amount. But we can we can get into it, and then we can pick it up again next week. But um, this prophecy in chapter 11 about the two witnesses, there was given me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, 
and the altar and them that worship therein. And essentially, in verses 3 and 4 is where you have, I'll give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred threescore days clothed in sackcloth, 1260 days in sackcloth. These, these are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before God of the earth. I'll give you a speculation here on who the two witnesses are. I know that some believe that Ezekiel is one of the witnesses and that Jesus is the other witness. I think verse 4 answers the question for us. And that's why I don't think it's a speculation. These are the two olive trees, he says, and the two candlesticks. Well, who represents the two olive trees and the two candlesticks? None other than the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It would appear that the two witnesses are two representatives of these two houses. I don't know that it really matters who they are by name, because later here in the scripture, it says down at verse 10, uh, 10 um, Uh, 11, and after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood upon their feet. Uh, Well, let me, I I didn't, uh, yeah, um, uh, seven. And when they shall, that is these two, these two witnesses, uh, they'll have power to shut six. I'm sorry, 11, six. These have power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy and have great and have power over waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all plagues as oft as they will. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in grave, that they dwell upon the earth, and they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented them that dwell on the earth. This is just like Old Testament prophecies where they called Jeremiah out and said, don't prophesy to us of these things. This is the same way here. They see these two prophets and they glory over the fact that they're dead. They're lying in the street. See there, where is your God now? You see, where is your God now? And then what actually happens? After three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them. They stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. In the same hour was there a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell. And in the earthquake were slain of men seven thousand, and the remnant were affrighted and gave glory to the God of heaven. 
So I don't know if it matters, but go to Jeremiah 11:16, Zechariah uh, 4:3, and 11 to 14, and certainly Hosea 14, and you see some of the same examples of things being done to the godly. Not to mention all of the prophets of, and, uh, or excuse me, all of the apostles of, of Jesus. So it's just another clear example. As I say, we don't need to, I don't believe, the way I started to do this with Revelation is I began to recognize that there was a lot of imagery and symbolism that was very, and it was, it was Isaiah that did it for me. I'll tell you, go back, all of you, at some point in time and just read Isaiah. Just, once I think that we've done what we've done here, you're going to read Isaiah. Think of these scriptures that we've talked about in Revelation, and you're going to see all the, all the, 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 the symbolism, all the same language, all the same verbiage, all the same imagery um, being expressed that Isaiah expressed. And so you saw destructions that were to come from the prophecy of Isaiah, and you see these same languages being used in Revelation. And again, remember, it's not the first time that we find apocalyptic language, which seems to imply destruction upon the whole earth. However, not only biblical, but secular history attests that all of these all-encompassing or these earth-ending seemingly destructions were not that at all because the way the translators translated it appeared that way but they were actually limited in scope that doesn't mean that we should diminish the events or that the events were not considerable even the earthquakes that jesus spoke of in matthew 24 here in just five chapters of revelation we have the sixth seal quake in sixth 12. We have the seventh seal quake in 8.5, the two witnesses quake in 11.13 that we just read, and the seventh full judgment quake in 16.18, which we haven't actually got to yet because we're in chapter 11. And not to mention those that were spoken of in 12 and 12 through 18 in Revelation that we've covered in other fellowships, and the death, burial, and resurrection quakes. We still have people today, ecclesiastical leaders all over the nations on TV, television, radios, and so forth, pontificating about the earthquakes in diverse places. And yet there were multiple earthquakes that are expressed right here. And Jesus said that there were going to indeed be when that end of the age event occurred and the end of the age was the total end you think about it christ is crucified dead buried and then he resurrects and yet god himself 
still gives nearly another 40 years, certainly 40 years from the time that Christ started preaching, gave them another 40 years to figure it out or to get so full of their own sin that he would have no compunction about utterly destroying them. I think that's actually remarkable. And this is probably a good place to stop because what I want to do is we've already been into 12 through, through 18. I want to lift anchor on this bullseye view and travel upstream in Revelation a little ways. And so I think that that'll probably be a good segue to do that in next week's fellowship, seeing that we are at the top of the hour now. Um, And I know I've kind of opened the door up uh, in the past here if I don't know if this is making sense to anybody at all, but as I said, I have been taking notes for probably three years as I've been in different parts of the scripture, and I would I would say this is another thing for Revelation. This is another thing for Revelation. And I just kept marking notes about things that I would see that coincided with the book of Revelation. And as as these years have progressed, I've come more and more to a conclusion and an understanding. And it doesn't have to be your understanding. And I'm not going to hold anything against anybody because that's not what our ecclesia is. If I see one who is eating, I'm not supposed to put that one to shame. I'm supposed to, again, fellowship and show that individual as best I'm able, the spirit guiding me to show that something that is being eaten eaten should not be eaten. But I don't just outright condemn the individual because I too had to come a ways in my Christian growth. And so what happened for me as I as I was going on in the last decade here, probably more so in the last three years or so, I began to see more things that were very reminiscent of what I remembered reading in Revelation. And there are some things that we still may not understand, but I can tell you now that I more clearly understand when they say there is no more crying and pain and when they say that that the lamb is going to lie down with the lion these are the same euphemisms and metaphors that christ that was used in isaiah ezekiel jeremiah in different forms in different ways and what he's trying to convey to us is what it's like when there is harmony and unity in the body of christ under the will of God, in abiding in his structure and that which he laid out. It's not a literal laying down of a lion with a lamb. But when you think about it, what is, you know, what is it that we see when we see this total unrighteousness that we would we would view as a ravening 
um, lion, so to speak, and yet have this nurturing, quiet, peaceful, Christian way that expresses the will of God just in this issue of abortion. And yet, the lamb and the lion are seemingly lying down together now. That's kind of what the expression or the metaphor is designed to conjure into your mind. Uh, Doug? Yeah. Uh, we received the news last night that, that Danny Carl passed. Okay. So, so I'd like to remember the family in prayer. Absolutely. Go ahead. We'll close in prayer. Lord, please be with us. And thank, we thank you for all the many things you do for us. But Lord, speak to the speak to the grief of the family of Danny Carl and the Louisiana uh, people that we know. He was a uh, he was a very uh, very good man, and we thank you for the time you allowed him to live on this earth. And again, be with his wife especially. He's hard hard on her. Be with her and reveal yourself, Lord, and we. Give you all the glory, Jesus. And yes, Father, we uh, we do lift him up in prayer, and the entire family is as now it's a loss of a patriarch in the family. Father, we pray for Roddy and the rest of the family. Father, the extended family, and even for those now of the extended family that are part of Russell's family, that that everybody can be finding comfort in this time, in this hour of loss. And so, Father, we just thank you so much for knowing their needs, being with them and caring for them. We thank you for the patriarch that he was to his family and the little ecclesia that he tried to nurture there in uh, in Louisiana and uh, provide for those of his own household as they got married off and and uh, began families of their own. So we just thank you, Father, for keeping everything in prayer. And Father, we know that that your will is done in these things, and you know the hour and the day for each and every one of us. And Father, we just trust in everything and uh, uh, pray that uh, if they need anything, that they they certainly will reach out to brethren. And uh, we're trusting in that. We just thank you for all that he did for those in his family, his family circle there. Father, I do want to continue to lift up in prayer those that are fighting, Father, to uh, to bring these wicked and evildoers to judgment here in the righteousness of your will. And Father, I pray that it is in your will that each and every one of these individuals that have uh, done the things that they've done in the last couple, three years will earnestly pay the price and that your people will once again rise to the occasion and to the great commission that you gave them to dominionize the creation for you in your father's will so father we ask these things we pray them we trust in continued health and and uh 
recovery for, for Rich with the things that have been going on with him. Thank you, Father, for the blessing you've provided us on our health and, and everything here. And Amen. Uh, the protection you provided Isaac in this in, in this monumental move uh, and change in their life, and uh, providing so much protection for them to to make it all go and uh, go well. And so, just so much of abundance of thanks that we want to offer and give praise and glory to you for knowing our needs and thank you for being there to uh, support each and every one of those needs. And just thank you, Father. Thank you. We love you. And we want to abide in you. Guide and direct us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, all right, everybody. I know it's getting late, and uh, we will uh, say goodnight and catch up next week, I reckon. Good night, everybody. Good night. All right. Good night. Thanks for joining. Good night.